0: Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later.
1: If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move.
0: Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go.
1: I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNurtney at Green Ocean Global we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend.
0: Right. He can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes.
1: And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation.
0: I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out.
1: And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John.
0: Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out.
1: All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency.
0: let's move to Portugal join Kaylee as she chats with Gabriel a French expat navigating life in
1: Portugal and an Alentejo expert discover his unique blend of cultures and the insights he shares on making Portugal home stick around expats and travelers welcome back to the expats everywhere presents let's move to portugal podcast i'm not even gonna ask you kaylee how you doing
0: how you doing i am
1: so tired i am absolutely destroyed right now we just spent an amazing four days three nights <laughs> yeah. away from porto uh, as we went to southern spain to shoot some content for our youtube channel and boy has it been uh, a fun trip
0: Yes, your eyes are actually a little glazed a, a bit, a little red. Um, maybe mine are too. Mm. So what we did is we we don't normally do early flights out and late flights back, but we the, did
1: both. This <laughs> yeah, time.
0: and actually the early flight wasn't too bad. I'm normally really no. against like a six seven a.m. flight, especially with Sia nowadays. Yeah, before I used to not be. It was fine, um, but you know having to wake her up and what that's going to be like. It was actually all right. So I was like, okay, was. I can do this every once in a while. Not a lot. But then we did a late flight back.
1: Well, so. yeah. I mean, we took advantage of a cheap flight. Yes. Because that's just what you do in Europe. But the
0: Unless nice thing was. Unless you're balling out of
1: control and you got money to. The throw. nice thing,
0: though, is we arrived and we had like all, all day. day. Which mm-hmm. that was really nice. Um, and we didn't get tired either. Sia took a normal nap and we were just adjusted just fine, which, I mean, obviously, it's only one time zone, so not that big of a deal. Yeah. But the late night's always a tough one because I think the the hardest part is you have to check out at your hotel and then normally you can drop your bags off, but then you're kind of putzing around just like waiting to go to the airport almost. Yeah. And then sometimes you arrive at the airport really early and maybe there's not as much to do if it's too late. Um. So that was kind of our scenario tonight. And so we are back now in Porto, but it is late.
1: It is. <laughs> and just to give you a rundown of what we did, because it was, it was actually a ton of fun. Highly recommend it. Uh, we flew from Porto. So if you live in Porto or you're going to live in Porto, you can fly to all sorts of destinations in Europe direct. We flew from Porto to Sevilla and from Sevilla, we rented a car with a cheap car rental place that was not actually located at the airport. So we had to get a shuttle, which wasn't bad. It was, I mean, it took some doing to figure out where we had to pick the shuttle up from. But we picked the shuttle up. We went, rented the car, and then we drove for basically two hours down to, uh, the, you know, coastal southern Spain. I mean, Andalusia is southern Spain, just like Algarve is southern Portugal. Uh, kind of same-ish weather, right? But we got down to the coast, and I assume that that it would be similar to some Algarve cities in terms of, like, Yeah, it was. The the golf and and everything.
0: Right. We're not golfers. Big golf, yeah. Big golf uh, area. Yeah. So I think it's because the weather's good um, and the housing is nice. It's just kind of that vibe. I'm going to say vibe. I want to back up real quick and say at least with the car rental, it Mm. was like a third of the price.
1: No, yeah, yeah. It was totally worth it. It was totally worth it. It was definitely. Finding
0: those deals.
1: I think that if we were to do this again, and I would like to do this again, we survived. Uh, we would just go rent with the same company.
0: Yeah. Well, generally what I do is I look at rentalcars.com and whatever is the cheapest I go with. Uh, ours always has to be a little more expensive. This one I had, had to a funny name. It
1: was like Record Go.
0: Record Go Mobility. But I actually found that they're in other places. They not are. just Yeah. yeah. Uh, not just in Sevilla. Anyway, it's always a little more expensive for us, though, because I've got to get an automatic. I drive the... You know, I'm the driver, a lot of you guys know, and uh, I drive an automatic, (laughs) it's easier. Uh, And we don't like to travel with the car seat because it's just one more thing to bring. So we tend to have to book, book, like rent a car seat, seat. which isn't terrible, but just a little extra cost.
1: So yeah, we drove from Sevilla to Soto Grande, and I think I said that right this time, Soto Grande, (laughs) yeah, because we always mess up with the T there, we pronounce it like we would in English, Soto Grande. And then on the way back, we passed through Gibraltar before heading back to Sevilla, And the gas was incredibly expensive.
0: Right. But we actually only had to fill up once. We filled
1: up once. It was mm-hmm. a hybrid car as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: it wasn't – we didn't even expensive. have to fill up all the like, way. So we drove all of that, <laughs> all of that. And, um, I mean, we were we had about – a little over a quarter of a tank, but still, it was expensive. It was to, like
1: 50 bucks. Yeah. It was like 40, yeah, 45 Normal. euros or something.
0: People probably think it's not that much anymore. I don't know. Nah, Remember when gas that. was 80-something? Nah, 80, <laughs> <Exactly>. 80 cents? <laughs> 80 cents a gallon. Um, <laughs> I do, actually. Okay, I know. the first
1: time I filled up my tank.
0: <laughs> Ooh, Josh. When I was, his age. <laughs> when I was
1: 15 and a half.
0: Actually, Josh was saying uh, the other day, I think I have more gray than I do black these yeah. days. So, it's really coming it's pretty in. pretty crazy. Anyway, so yeah. the, the videos, though, that yeah. we did there, they're, they're going to be great. Um. We are getting into Spain a bit more because a lot of you are asking about Spain, comparisons between Portugal, Spain, or Portugal and other countries in Europe. And so we want to diversify a little bit and get some more information out there about other possible countries to move to or just visit. So we've got some good stuff coming your way.
1: Yes, absolutely. That'll
0: be on the channel, on the YouTube
1: channel. Yeah, will be. check soon. And we look forward to getting it out to you. But today we've got an episode about kind of southern-ish uh, Portugal, it's it's not quite the south Algarve, but it's um, but it's Alentejo, Alentejo, which yeah. is it's quite the, south of the Tejo. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, but I think what what's really nice about this interview is uh, it was shot here. It was shot here. Yeah, on mm-hmm. on the couch. Um, from an expat, French expat, uh, who has a love for Alentejo, and yep. the cool thing is, is he
1: knows a lot about it.
0: And, and we don't, right? It's nope. not talked about that much, which I get it. You know, a lot of people don't want to live in maybe somewhere that feels like the middle of nowhere or maybe a little too rural. Yeah. But um, he has found some interesting finds that are actually really popular, mm. I guess you could say, in Altejo. So more of the coast, right, on the Atlantic. Um, but there's some really high-end stuff there. And some really, I mean, big, like, you know, people with money, I guess, like um, maybe past royalty or celebrities and stuff have homes in some of these places, maybe because they're a bit more untouched.
1: Well, and it also seems like there's a market for people that are wanting to disconnect and not be in a city and and just get away from all that. Like wealthier people who want to disconnect, then they're kind of moving to some of these little communities uh, in Alentasia.
0: Yes. So I think this is a really interesting one, just because we get to learn a bit more of something that we don't talk about much and a lot of people don't talk about. So you can get into real estate there. And that's what Gabriel does. He does real estate. So uh, and he did it himself. That's why he's like, I think I can help others do this. So if you have some interest there, then he would definitely be one to get in touch with. But he talks about in kind of a mixture of, uh, you know, being French, but having a Portuguese partner yep. so those cultures and what that looks like and why they ended up there where she's from and it's not there so why the where he fell in love with this area of Portugal um so it's a really interesting chat that he and I had
1: absolutely and I was behind the camera for it and took some photos and such
0: yes mm-hmm. yeah so I mean I guess let's go ahead and jump into it because we kind of talked a lot about what's going on with us but we should definitely jump into uh learning a bit about Alentejo.
1: yeah Let's get into it. Alan Tejo, here we go.
0: Gabriel, thanks for joining me on the podcast today.
1: You're very welcome.
0: You have a very interesting story. Tell us where you're from and your connection with Portugal.
2: Okay, so uh, my name is Gabriel. I'm from France, from uh, Bordeaux specifically. Um, I spent a lot of time in, in the UK where um, I met my, uh, my partner. She's, uh, she's Portuguese. And um, thanks to her, I, I rediscovered Portugal. So I came, uh, I came with her in Lisbon. And um, she's, uh, she's from the, the region of Viseu in the north, and um, so I had the opportunity to come to Lisbon, to go in the north, to really explore Portugal with uh, with someone who's Portuguese, who has um, a strong, of course, connection with the land, with the culture, with the gastronomy. With uh, um, so, for me, it was very um, you, a great chance to be able to to jump in Portugal, to really understand the uh, cultural intricacies. The yeah and and understand the landscape and the regional differences because there are a lot of uh, differences from one region to another.
0: And this is great because that's a difficult thing for a lot of expats, right? If you don't know someone, a local, then it's hard to get plugged in. But So you're going to tell our listener a little bit about what that's like, the different locations in Mm -hmm. Portugal that you are aware of, because Alentejo is a place that you know really well, and our listener, we want to tell them about that. Um, But before that, Tell us the different places where you've lived in Portugal and um, what are the differences between those places?
2: Okay, so I arrived like many people in Lisbon and Lisbon, especially now, it's a very intentional place. So if you live in uh, central Lisbon, um, you will hear uh, many foreigners, many French, many Americans, Brits and, and uh, all the uh, expats are based in Lisbon so Lisbon somehow it's um there is still um, an authentic part of Lisbon when you go in the in the the area of Campo Pequeño this this area which is are not really central this is where you can find real people from Lisbon still living there If you go to uh, a shadow it's just tourists mainly mm-hmm. um, but nevertheless it is absolutely absolutely beautiful and that's why the, the city is um is um attracting more and more expats, more and more foreigners that are coming in, in Lisbon. But um because of family links, uh, I know the, the different part of Lisbon where tourists or expats don't necessarily go. Um so it's very interesting because you see the uh the, the fact that Lisbon is still an authentic city if you if you know where to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was Lisbon and um um, and of course, in Lisbon, the weekend, you go to Cascais, you go to Storil, you, you have access to all these um, um, parts of Portu- Portuguese history that is kind of glam in a way, because Storil is the, as, uh, you know, it's the, the birthplace of James Bond, um, uh, the character. Uh-huh. Uh, so you've got all this, um, this story, which is connected to the place. And you can see the, the heritage when you, you go along and it is extremely beautiful. And that's why it's so successful now. So that, that is Lisbon. And, um, and um, I had the chance, thanks to my partner, to, to discover the, the district of Vizu.
0: Okay.
2: And uh, the Daro region. The Daro region, I think, is very, it's an outstanding region because it's totally overlooked. Um, when you, go to, you come out of Vizu, you go to, uh, to a small place called um, Penalva de Castelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, an outstanding um, manor house there. It is the, the first place where you had electricity in Portugal. Okay. So it's a huge manor house. It used to be the, 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 the family home of the, the, um, um, the governor of Mato Grosso in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So a lot of wealth was coming into that place. And the, the place is also absolutely stunning. And there's no, there's no tourists there. You you go in the in the manor house. You are alone. You walk in this uh, in these uh, corridors. You got all these old paintings that are testimony of uh, of the very strong Portuguese past and uh, and heritage. So that's uh, in Penalva. In Penalva also you have the so the, you have the Down River, and the Down River you have landscape that are uh, totally stunning. You have very um, old medieval bridges, and uh, absolutely nobody is coming there. And, and you you really don't have much expats in the in the area.
0: Okay, I think that that area. Is, some people ask me about that, so maybe that area is growing a little bit in interest with expats. I guess so. Vizio, I mean, at least, uh, yeah. what can you tell us about Vizio?
2: Um, so Vizio, um, so the the it's uh, one of the oldest city in Portugal. So you, you have um, a beautiful cathedral that's that is uh, also all these monuments. The the. Um, they give the perspective on the local history, and you understand what was going on in this place. Uh, the old center of Israel is um, is extremely um, typical, with uh, beautiful houses, with uh, azulejos on the on the facades, a lot of small restaurants. And uh, for a long time, the center of Israel has been um, the population was moving out of the center mm-hmm. because of uh, modern life. You need a car, you need to drop the, the kids at school, so living in a street that is one and a half meters large, <laughs> yeah. is, is difficult to power the car. Uh-huh. So people were coming out of the center, which means that for, for a long, during, you know, I would say for 20 years, probably, um, the houses were, were abundant. Okay. Uh, but now thanks to tourism, and maybe thanks to some expats, they are buying those properties and they are renovating them putting them on Airbnb so it's one instance where Airbnb has a positive impact in on the local community as opposed to somehow Lisbon sometime where people complain quite a lot about the impact of uh, Airbnb on the community there i think it's rather the opposite because uh, thanks to that demand there's um uh, restoration there's a um, uh, re uh, renovation of the old center so that's the center of iso um and what I think is quite good in Visal is the, the fact that if you compare it to, um, to other Portuguese cities, it's still quite affordable. Okay. The, the life there is very affordable. Mm-hmm. You have um, lots of equipments like shopping centers because I think people don't necessarily realize that depending on where you are in Portugal, access to these kind of facilities, you know, is it could important. Be hard.
0: Yeah, yeah. It could be hard depending if you're too... Uh, too far away from one
2: right if you're too far away you, like in Alantejo so we're going to discuss that mm-hmm. this is what you don't have mm-hmm. uh, when you're in Viso. if you want to go to uh, Zara Home or Massimo Duty or these kind of places that uh, people like to do their shopping in uh, it's easy in Alantejo it's not the case okay. um, so I think the interest of, of, of Viso is that you, you have access to, uh, to a modern lifestyle you have a beautiful region and you're not too far from Porto as well because you can have access to the international airports also, for people who, who want to travel to other parts of uh, Europe, it's quite easy because you, are, um, you have the motorway that goes straight into France. Okay. Well, you cross Spain, Spain obviously. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's, it's... All a, the way to
0: France. Though. Yes. Uh,
2: so it's quite convenient. Um, you can go on day trip to Salamanca, which is a beautiful place in Spain as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the region, you've got uh, Sierra de Estrela which is around. Uh, so it's uh, it's... You have access to nature. And I think for people who love nature, who want to kind of reconcile nature and modern life, it can be, it can be a good match for them.
0: That's a good one. But a, you, probably, you would need a car.
2: Oh, you need a car. Okay. You need a car. And okay. uh, for instance, there's no train from uh, Porto to Viso. So if you get to the airport, you need either you take the, the coach at the coach station in Porto mm-hmm. or you hire a car. Okay. Or if you leave there, you need a car uh, 100%. For sure.
0: But that's not sure. a bad thing, necessarily, because then that gets you into the nature that's nearby, that yes. gets you into Spain and then into France if you want yes. to go that far. So having a car is a is a good thing in that area, but a necessity.
2: It is an absolute necessity. And now also the, the city of Israel has been um, developed with the car, because the, the old centre, obviously, it was the, the medieval part or the old part, but What you have around the city, it's really absolutely need a car. It's a bit like in the States where if you don't have a car, it doesn't work.
0: Right, okay. So that's a good option then because it's still affordable. It's still very local, so not necessarily run over by foreigners or tourists. But it's growing, so you have the amenities and then you're near nature and easy to get into Spain. So it's a good option for those who are looking for those types of things.
2: It is a great option in that respect, yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, yeah. so very different than Lisbon, but then also, you have experience in Alentejo, which I think is a region, an area that a lot of expats don't even consider moving no. to. They don't think about it. Why do you think that is?
2: I think that I think there, are, there are different reasons. There is a, I think there's an historic reason. The, the, the historic reason is that for um, a long time, so I think maybe now people, the, the name of Comporta is emerging from, uh, you know, on the, on the, the public domain. Um, Comporta was the biggest uh, property of Portugal. Uh, it was more than uh, 1000 hectares and it was owned by a very um, rich Portuguese family, a banking family. Um, and they were using that as their playgrounds. And because it was their own private playground, there was no hotel, no facilities for tourists. Okay. And all this part of, of uh, the coast has never been any investment in tourism. So if you want to develop, if you want to go there, where do you go? And I think people didn't even go there because there was no infrastructure, there was no communication, there was no interest to um, do publicity around the area. And I think Portugal, uh, in general, in terms of uh, development, they were more focused on developing the Algarve region. They were investing in that part of the country to 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 get tourism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alentejo, I think maybe that was the um, Yeah, the the playground for the the people of Lisbon, maybe. Okay. And and it is, even today, it's mainly people you find in in Comporta. You have a lot of um, um, VIPs or celebrities that that know about the area. But it's mainly uh, people from from the Lisbon society that that are going to to Comporta.
0: Like they have a second home there or Um, they're actually moving there?
2: um, Normally they have a second home. Uh, they can have second home. So, sometimes people from Lisbon, what they do, they go to Alcázar do Sol. Mm-hmm. Which it's, in between, uh, it's in between, it's 80 kilometers from Lisbon and you have easy access to Comporta, Melich, all this very beautiful coast. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's mainly a, a secret for Portuguese, for uh, international buyers. Um, Now, I think recently, um, because the domain, the the big domain that was the the biggest property of Portugal, it has been sold in in 2018. And ever since 2019, you had um, the beginning of the commercial development of the area. So you had some sales of um, properties, you had some sort of investment, but it's very um, small because. on top of uh, of, uh, of that, there is a, a decree that protects all the coast. Okay. So it's very difficult to build there. So it, basically, there's no, there's, no, um, there's no planning permission given to people. So you can't get much tourism if you don't have hotel, if you don't have these things. Right. It's very difficult to develop. So it's not developed. And that's the charm of it is that when, when you go there, you have, uh, it's pristine and it's, it's a bit like of a, a virgin coast. You, you have, the sand, you have the sea, and the.
0: Because no one really goes there, no,
2: right? No, no one. No one goes there, and it's very typical because you don't have. Um, it's intact. It's like Portuguese by the sea with Portuguese people. Few VIPs because they are VIPs there, more and more, especially in Melich. Now you have a, uh, an American company called Discovery Land. Uh, they, they bought uh, the rights of a, a big, a big land uh, in Melich and now they're developing this golf club. Uh, and they have um, very high-profile people buying properties there. Okay. Um, you also have uh, for the um, you, you also have the, the, the princess um, uh, Eugenie that lives in Melich. Okay. Yeah, she lives half of the time in Melich. Her husband is uh, is in charge of um, sales development for Costa Terra, for that American company. So they they bringing the I would imagine their connections, their, their royal connections or. So you have um, in Melich or Comporta you have people like that very high profile people that are going there because they um, because of the lack of tourism they they, they are not they are not um, bothered by the public they can they can go to the village nobody's going to know them nobody care about them
0: right yeah and they kind so of nice. it's like a normal life for people who who yes. are in the you know public eye i guess yes. right Yes, totally. So, let's go ahead and clarify cuz I think a lot of times when people talk about Alentejo, they think of the inner part yes. of Portugal that's closer to the Spanish border. Mm-hmm. However, Alentejo is quite a big region and it does have coastline, right? Between Lisbon and Algarve. Yes. So this is the area that you're mainly talking about is this coast yes. between Lisbon and when you hit Algarve region, right? Yes, That's quite un- underdeveloped. I think a lot of people, when they travel between the two, they just drive straight past that mm-hmm. or the train, you know, is a little more inland, but it, you just bypass it because, like you said, there's nothing really to, there's no place to stop, right? No, no. But you and your partner decided to buy and restore a place yes. in this area. Yes. Tell us about that process.
2: Okay, so it's a... Um, so I'm going to do a big flashback. When I was kids, kid, um, with my, my, uh, my dad, we went to Portugal. It was in 1986, so a long time ago. I think they were just joining the EU. Okay. And uh, we took the train from Bordeaux, which is called the Sul Express. So we came from Bordeaux to, um, to Andai, then uh, Lisbon. Then we crossed the river and we took the train down to Faro. And um, I remember crossing Alantejo and this beautiful landscape of uh, you know, the, the cork tree, uh-huh. The, and, and it's very typical. you have got this. It's very hilly. The colors are uh, just stunning, and uh, I always wanted to, to go back. So with my partner, I said, "Look, let's uh, let's go, uh, let's go over there, let's let's explore."
0: So this so, is your idea. It was yeah, a, a little t- bit of both.
2: <laughs> she, she, she knew that I liked it, so we said, "Okay, let's go." Uh, so we went uh, we went to uh, to Villanova de France, um and we stayed in the area between Villanova and uh, Porto Covo. And for me, it was just like Okay, this is it. This is the place. Uh, I love it. The, the, the nature is uh, totally intact. The, the, the coastline is just uh, outstanding. And nobody there, no tourists. And uh, you can just park the car. You know, for instance, if you're from France, when you go in Bordeaux, when you go to Arcachon, this is where we go, uh, this Café Rey, it's very hard to park your car when you go to the beach. Very difficult. Here, it's just like, there's no one. It's just like, the, you get there, you, you come out, there's nobody. So, I said this is paradise for me, and um, and this is close to Lisbon. So we could have the best of both worlds because we could stay in Lisbon and have this uh, great window on, on, into another life. Something this is uh, that is uh, totally different. So we started looking. Uh, so we started um, the search in uh, the region of uh, Comporta Grandola. It's very expensive now. All this area. Um the prices, especially in the last two years, it went, um, well, we started this, all this project, be, you know, a long time ago. But in the last two years, the prices went up uh, 168% in Comporta.
0: Wow. Okay. So more so, people are learning about it. Is that why?
2: Um, I, I think there's been like a, a huge push with investors. Okay. Uh, and the prices went, you know, through the roof. And there are good reasons for that. Uh, but... You know, it's still extremely expensive. Um, Melich is the same. And uh, the fact that you, you don't have offer is the, the law of supply and demand. Mm. And uh, the fact that uh, people see that there are more and more VIPs and, uh, and it's kind of lifestyle destination for people who know about it, so they want to be associated with that maybe somehow. Right. Um, and it puts a lot of pressure on prices. So um, so we looked at Comporta. Um, Alcacer, then uh, Melich area. And then we, we, we looked into uh, Santiago de Casem, which is actually 20 kilometers away from Melich, So very close to all that action. Mm-hmm. But uh, in time of pricing, it was uh, a total different story. Okay. So um, uh, my partner is very, um, so we, we saw this ads and uh, I don't know which uh, which uh, website it was. And uh, the picture were terrible. <laughs> Okay. They were like, it was mystery pictures Uh and uh, because she has an eye for detail, she could say, oh yeah, this this kind of floor, this is for some, this, the the house must be nice because otherwise they wouldn't put that kind of uh, details. So with a little detail, she managed to, in fact, to uncover something that was a a little gem. We had a huge roof terrace. Wow. Uh, We have actually four terraces um, and none, none of this was in the ads. Okay. So garden, no, none of this was in the ads. Like, uh, it was just like a picture was like a, a place with um, uh, shutters. Uh, shut, it was, <laughs>
0: that's so typical for, I think, um, realtors or people will just put like on italista. Yeah. And you look at the pictures and they just are terrible pictures. That, and it's like you're trying yeah. to sell this place. But that's great. Your partner could see some things. So, so,
2: so we, we went down And um, so we were impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, okay. Let's go for it, and uh, so we we bought the house, and uh, and then it was the beginning of another chapter to the story. Okay. It was uh, renovation.
0: Okay, so the house needed to be renovated for sure. So
2: the house needed um, to be totally renovated. Okay, um, there was still electricity, but it was an installation from probably from the sixties, or you know, like everything was from the sixties. Okay, uh, the house, I think, was uh, dating from the. 40s 50s something like that Mm -hmm. but yeah everything needed to be uh, completely uh, restored Um, part of my approach as well is try to uh, to maintain um, whatever you can uh, protect inside the house for instance the the tiles because you know like portuguese tiles are very special but Mm -hmm. sometimes you need to to take difficult decision in terms of renovation. But we were not there yet because first we had to find contractors.
0: How was that in this region? It was a nightmare. <laughs> a nightmare.
2: <laughs> it was a nightmare okay. because um, because people... Uh, so first of all, Alentejo, the density is very, very low. Um, and finding contractors was, was a, a real headache. When you find a contractor, the person will come to your property, will, will look around. Um, will tell, you know, and you will never have any quotes. Never, You will never have any budgets, any uh, any quotes. So then you have to find another one and another one until you find the right person. Uh-huh. Because the, the rule, I think, in Portugal, and probably everywhere, because I, I guess in, you know, the, the way it works, that if people are available tomorrow, that means they're not that good.
0: <laughs> okay, good advice.
2: So if people are busy, I, I think... What, what we learned from this experience is that you need to be realistic you need to learn how to manage your own expectation understand that there is um you know the reason why the, the region the reason why the region is beautiful is because there is this uh, wild element to it okay and and what it what it means is that there are not many people there are not many companies and and it, being able to to, to to do this project, you need to be patient.
0: Okay. Do the contractors mainly come from Lisbon? Then? No,
2: no, no. In fact, it was it was a local contractor.
0: Okay. So you were able to find a local yes, contractor with
2: mm-hmm. local connections. So that's what, even better. Yeah. Yes. So what we've done, uh, we found this person who, who is actually uh, an amazing uh, person, extremely uh, competent, uh, with a great team, and they've done uh, an amazing job. It took them some time because they are overbooked, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when they started, it did it, it, um, it, it work. So that was, uh, that was uh, amazing to see the, the progression of, of the work. And, uh, and to see this house that was in a very poor condition turn into something uh, totally different.
0: Right. How long did it take?
2: Uh, it took us a good year, I would say. Okay. Well, but uh, not, con- not um, including the waiting time. I'm just saying from...
0: Actual renovations were yeah, about a year.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because people are... You always have... because In a renovation, depending on the complexity of the task, you will have different um, different special, uh, speciality involved. So you need a plumber, an electrician, a mason, a carpenter. So all these people have their own schedule. Right. is where, in fact, you find a, a contractor that covers all the things. So it's all about... Um, working on a project and my advice to people who engage in uh, renovation from the start they should consider hiring an architect okay from the get-go because uh, the architects will be able to anticipate the evolution of the project the complexity of the project also all the, um, the legality involved in renovation because people assume that if you are um knocking down th- uh, things inside the house, it doesn't matter to the council, but mm. it does matter to the local authority okay. because you have a, a floor plan. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, if you change the structure of the house, you need to change the floor plan as well. Right. And you need to report back to the authorities. Otherwise, you will have a discrepancies, right. discrepancy between the, the reality of the house and the administrative reality of the house. And this would be a, a big problem if you want to sell the house.
0: Okay, yes. And are they very strict in this region?
2: Um, well, it's, it's not, um, I, I think that it's not really the, um, the fact that there is a regulation. So how they implement the regulation is up to them, but you have to comply.
0: Right.
2: Uh, now, how they implement, how, they, implement, how they, they enforce it. So you don't want to be there.
0: Right. Uh-huh. So you
2: don't want to test that. So you, it's best to, and that's why um, working with an architect from the get go, will help to structure the plan from um, a structural or um, operational point of view and legal point of view mm-hmm. as well. Okay. So this is important. WorldPost.io is
1: powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone.
0: And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month.
1: Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents,
0: <laughs> Amazon purchases, Amazon purchases,
1: <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal.
0: And they have a variety of packages. And some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters and things like that.
1: I bet you love that junk mail filter.
0: Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs>
1: She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below.
0: Okay, let's talk about Lusitano Dreams because what they're offering is really great.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dreams since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the the long-term people have had problems with, right?
0: Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen, but here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location, in a livable location, until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live.
1: And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of of cash, essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using.
0: Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money.
1: Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule And they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast.
0: Yeah, which is really exciting.
1: So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below.
0: And I think earlier, I think it was off-camera, you were talking about how there's no new builds in this yes. area. It, it has to be renovation, right?
2: It's not, well, right. By and large, uh, I would say getting new builds permission is extremely difficult. Okay. So you, you can have a new build permission in some, uh, for instance, in Porto Covo. Within the city limits, you you can do things, but it is within city limits. When you come out of uh, Porto Covo, it's very difficult to get anything done because you are in the um, national park of the Vicentina coast. And this is one of the most protected uh, stretch of coast in Europe. Okay. In terms of uh, ocean cost, mm-hmm. so in order to protect that cost, they they can't just uh, sign off project because otherwise tomorrow we will be uh, full of uh, concrete condos.
0: Yeah. Right. Yes. Right along yes. the water. Yes, mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. They, they don't want that, and um, and I think it's protecting the the characteristic of the region is really to to prevent that from happening. Okay. So. That's why the, the, the best option really in the region, and also, also, of course, it depends on budget because some people, they um, they have limited budget, so it's best for them to, to move into town like Santiago de Casta and where you can find some affordable properties um, that will be uh, close to Melich, close to Porto Covo. Um, but if you want, to you have your your um, villa or your mont, because they call that mont in Alentejo, mm-hmm. this kind of rectangular structure. If you want to have your house in one of these beautiful hills uh, overlooking the ocean, because you can find these things, you the, the budget will be significant. But if you compare that budget to the price in Melich or even to the price in Comporta, it's Day and night. So today, you still have option uh, south of uh, Santiago de Casam to find this kind of properties where you can have this uh, lifestyle where you are immersed in nature, close to the sea. And, and when I say close to the sea, everyf- everywhere um, in that in that stretch of land, let's say um, between uh, Grandola, Santiago, and uh, Cercal, between this line and the, the coastline, um, you drive your car, you go to the sea, and you, you see uh, two or three cars, or one tractor, okay. one donkey. Yeah.
0: A donkey, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, There
2: is a corner where there are two donkeys, they're beautiful there, they, they, and you can see them. It's, it's like you have no one. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's the, the beauty of it. So it's possible to to, to buy these kind of properties and renovate them and have this amazing lifestyle. Uh, but yeah, it's um, new builds, not really in, the area, in okay. the area.
0: Now to give our listener a perspective, Driving from your home there into Lisbon, how long does that drive take?
2: Uh, one hour and a half.
0: Okay, now and a half.
2: Yes. Okay. It's um it's very easy because um in fact we have um the, the motorway that connects Algarve to uh, Algarve to Lisbon. It's about uh, half an hour inland from okay. the coast. Okay. So you have um when you leave uh, Lisbon, you you go by Arcasado Sol. Okay. then Grandola, then, and then you go to the, to the south. So all these, uh, those are the um, connections into the motorway. So it's fairly easy to get, uh, to, to get into Lisbon. It takes yeah. some time, but very yeah. easy, That's very cool. easy drive. And they are, um, what's appealing as well, they are beautiful drives. So if you like driving, if mm-hmm. you like this kind of landscape, they are, yeah, it's uh, really, really pleasant. So I really like it personally. But
0: of course you need a car. In this area as well. You
2: definitely, this, if you don't have a car, so in, if in Viso you definitely need a car over there, it's uh, absolutely mandatory. Um, there, there is a, so in terms of public transport from Lisbon, there is uh, the train line mm-hmm. that uh, stops in uh, Grandola. Okay. Um, and uh, there are a few stops down, down the, on, on the, uh, with, with the rail. Um, so that's one option. But then, what do you do once you get there? Yeah. You so you need a car. <laughs> uh-huh. um, there is um, there is a couch station in Santiago de Casem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, same story. So you need a car. Right. Absolutely need a car. you can
0: get there, but then you can't go anywhere once you're there.
2: Yes. Right. And also, I would say, and that's an important thing, because I think it's, um, it's important for people to really understand the region and the implication of, of you know, choosing that region. You know, the the negatives, because talking about the beautiful landscape and the amazing sea that's 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 true and that's beautiful but imagine if you have teenagers
0: uh-huh it's like it's too isolated it's, for them probably for and them, schools and everything
2: uh schools you they want unless you want to to get them into portuguese school they, they won't be in a school uh-huh. um the it's, it's very difficult for kids okay so there are villages they can make friends there but it's it's not, I would say it's not really fair on teenagers or on children, unless you have very, very small children that they can grow up in Portugal, get you a school, get to that, you know, it's, have it's this what like.
0: They only, the only thing they yeah. ever know. Yeah. So if they're little, then it's okay. But the older ones no. to take them there would be very shocking. Unfair. Yeah. Very unfair. <laughs> unfair. Very unfair
2: on teenagers. Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: Any other things that would be negative for those who, who kind of are thinking, oh, that sounds really beautiful and nice, but maybe beware of... Okay, things. so
2: other negatives. Um, we were talking about uh, visa and the shopping center and access to all this modern life. Uh, access to the, I would say to consumerism in a way. Okay. Okay. In Alentejo, it's very difficult, very challenging. Um, from all the area, the only place where you have shops is Stubal. Stubal is far. Stubal is almost Lisbon. Okay. Uh, so in all the region, if I take uh, Alcazar do Sol, um, Grandola, Santiago, Sines, uh, they are the main cities on the coast. Um, the, um, you would get uh, grocery shop, you get an So maybe uh, for, like, people are not familiar with Portugal 1.0, well, no, but it's like the supermarkets. Mm-hmm. You'll have supermarkets. Mm-hmm. You'll have super, uh Aldi, you'll have uh, Lidl, these kind of things. But you won't have any... Um, uh, if you want to buy some fancy clothes or whatever, like a
0: shopping mall
2: or no. th- that stuff. there's, there's not none. Out there. There's none. Uh, so that's very difficult because I think to to live a modern life like international people like to live it, mm-hmm. they will feel the that's missing. Okay, but the fact that is missing is also contributing. It's like always it's a trade-off if right. you like, mm-hmm. uh, because the absence of these things makes it beautiful because you don't have the, the you don't have all the people it's not spoiled right uh, because once you start having shopping center then you it's development and then you get the urbanism and then it's not it's you, not what it is it's not authentic right now, anymore yeah. mm-hmm. and uh-huh. the, and the the fact is that if you go to france if you go to belgium germany italy u k the states you always look the same It's always the same shop right it's, always, it's kind of the small planet uh uh-huh. <laughs> There no because you go to the local. she you go to Santiago de Casem, you have the old market. You have uh, uh, people who are there are shops. You you know it's hard to understand how they they, they, they work, but they do work.
0: It's like going back in time. It's like quite, they still have kept that.
2: It is going back in time, um, and also uh, uh, the they sit? The fact that it's going back in time, there's a lot of things in Santiago, mainly that's, uh, that need renovation as well. This, in fact, they need to, to reconnect to some sort of modernity, but without losing their soul.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But,
2: but, um, but it's true that for international people, this is going to be, you know, absence of uh, shopping facilities is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that in my village, you've got everything, but uh, it's lo- local shops. Right, So Do you have internet? yes internet yeah no problem okay. so that's i have a very fast internet so it's very easy to work uh, in that in that area so that's very convenient but yeah you've got everything but this yeah this is uh, missing the good thing for um, we have uh, in most places we have um, chemists so pharmacy chemists oh, yes doctors so you have these kind of things because the the local community is very focused on the delivering Public service, so that's an interesting aspect. Okay, uh, that is, uh, for example, if you live in the UK or other European country, we don't really have anymore. Is this sense of um, focus on public service? Okay. So that's a big thing they have in the region. Uh, so in, in villages, you have uh, doctors attending a few days a week. So it makes it possible for, for people to live there because they they have an aging population mm-hmm. and they are keen on attracting younger people. Okay because they need, they need, to, they need people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they try to maintain some services that are school friends. And but again, if you have young, you know, small children that can integrate uh, the Portuguese system, that could work. Mm-hmm. You can live in these uh, places.
0: Right, okay, so you found a passion for this area and yes. you and your partner bought a home, renovated it, but found it very difficult. So you thought if other expats or foreigners were interested in doing this, you found a way to help, right? So yes. what do you
2: do? So what I do, I um, I help uh, foreign buyers to find a property in the area. First first of all, I explain the area because it's very difficult to understand where to go mm-hmm. because the market is, is um, very diverse between Comporta and Villanova de Milfond. Uh, it's, there are different markets. So first of all, I, um, I help people understand where they should look for. Mm-hmm. Once we, we find where they they should be looking for. Um, we find the right house for them. Okay. And then I create with my architects, we develop the architectural project and we deliver a brand new house based on the whole house. It's a full renovation project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is based on, on the, all the issues I had, I have to, I had to face. So I've learned all these things, the, sometimes the hard way. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and because of that, I'm, uh, I'm helping people to, to prevent all these things and to get to the results In in a much more efficient, (laughs) less
0: painful maybe, (laughs) less
2: painful, much more efficient way, and um, um, and I'm covering all the aspects, including compliance and uh, and um, follow up of the of the site with with architect with uh, with a very strong team. So it's um, in a way it's uh, it's helping people to to go fast in in that area that takes a long time to to get into if you don't have uh, that kind of um, service.
0: Right. So we'll put your information in the show notes, but how can people get in touch with you if they're, if they're interested in this?
2: So I have a website, uh, it's uh, www.hompalacio.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can contact me on LinkedIn, uh, there's a Facebook page, there's uh, Instagram, there's all the, the social media. So if they look for me on, the, um, on social media, they, they will find me, they will find the company and, uh, and yeah, they can uh, get in touch with me, yeah, like, like that, with the website, it's great.
0: Great. And then, of course, anyone, uh, listener, if you want to, you can email me at info at com, and I can put you in touch as well. Okay. Uh, so lastly, we always like to ask those that we have on the podcast, uh, we believe at Expats Everywhere that living abroad transforms lives. So how has living abroad, living Portugal, the UK, away from France, how has it transformed your life?
2: Um, I have to say that um, in my family, it's always been quite a... Uh, people were open on, on living abroad. Uh, so I had, uh, people in my family living in the UK, in Belgium, in other countries. So I've always been brought up with this idea of, of traveling mm-hmm. from a very, uh, young age. And for me, I always saw myself being open on the, on the living outside my country. But when I grew up in Bordeaux, I was very much like a French guy. I still have my French accent. I kept that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: But, um, I think culturally it did, uh, transform it socially because, uh, when you live in your country, especially France, I think every country is um, self-centered because the culture is centered around your own culture. You have your own news. You have uh, French news and international news, which is a smaller part of the French news. So you really are self-centered in a way. And when you start um, going overseas, then you understand that your world is actually a world among many others. Mm-hmm. And that's the international culture, I would say. And then you, you adapt and it's true that um, when I started living in the UK, it was a bit of a cultural shock to get into London from Bordeaux. Uh, it's very different environments, uh, totally different culture and work culture as well was totally different from France because in France, we are very formal. Mm-hmm. Um, in the way we do things and in the UK it's much more relaxed in okay. a way the way you, you for instance in companies when you work in, you know, when you have colleagues it's a very different game mm-hmm. um, and then there was Portugal which when I, when I came back when I came here there's still this element of formality which is a bit like France in right. a way so it's interesting to, to see all this um, culture and uh, I think it makes you it makes you evolve quite a lot. It uh, opens your mind on the, on the world, and uh, and I really cherish that experience. And I'm glad that uh, I decided to to move out of my country um, and to experience other things. And uh, and I think what's interesting is when you when you when I speak to my friends who, who stayed in Bordeaux, that friends from school,
0: uh-huh.
2: and uh, the way our point of view so, on some aspect did change quite a lot.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, because the because of the the cultural thing, because of the the way, because of the local culture, my friends are very much French,
0: uh-huh.
2: and I've, I'm still very much French. But I understand other other way to do to do things, and other ways to look at the world.
0: Right, a more international perspective on things. So
2: maybe. totally, yeah. totally, well, and uh, yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Gabrielle, for joining me on the podcast today. Thank
2: you very much for having me today. So,
1: listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal.
0: We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So, we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up.
1: And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off.
0: So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on.
1: And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course. So that it doesn't fall out of date.
0: Well, I have to because they're always changing things. And so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials. And if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions.
1: Expats Everywhere researches our guests and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts.